Hello, my name is Elliot Rabin, and welcome to another Prisma Podcast Live. Podcast Live gives a platform for people to learn in depth about innovative initiatives at work in Jewish day schools. For today's podcast, we welcome Sarah Shulkin, head of school, and Danny Spiegel, associate head of school for external relations from the Milken School in Los Angeles. Their talk is titled The Milken Way. It discusses the way that they think about customer service and put it into practice. After the presentation, Sarah and Danny will be joined by Josh Gold, who is head of school K through eight at Hafter Hebrew Academy of the Five Towns and Rockaway in Lawrence, New York. Take it away, Sarah and Danny. Welcome everyone. As Elliot said, Danny and I are here to talk a little bit about the Milken Way and the way that we think about this concept is really about school culture. And I want to acknowledge for a moment the many schools around the country that we visited when we were thinking about how to build school culture, um, in particular Posnac in Florida, which has a really incredible culture uh, K through 12. So we're gonna launch into this presentation and we look forward to hearing your feedback and your interactions. So one of the one of the uh, baseline understandings about business that um, a lot of uh, business school students go through is this starts with this idea that perception oftentimes is much more important than reality um, than the product itself. Um, we start with a we we start with a uh, case study of um, many of you know this, but in 1985, Coke decided, hey, it's time we improve on our regular Coca-Cola Classic. And uh, we think we can come up with a better product. Um, and Blind Taste, they started with new with uh, new Coke. Um, they had a lot of Blind Taste tests, which overwhelmingly uh, said new Coke tastes a lot better than Coca-Cola Classic. However, when they went to market with the um, new Coke, it underperformed by 10 times what they expected because when they when people knew what they were tasting, it, it it affected how they were taste what exactly they were tasting, meaning that perception of they were so they had such an attachment affinity to regular Coca-Cola Classic that they weren't willing to give New Coke an actual chance, even though that the product was better. Which shows again brand affiliation, how you make people feel is oftentimes. Um, a lot more powerful than actually, you know, the, the product itself. Um, I love um, my my team will probably uh, uh, get nauseous when I talk about Danny Meyer again because we talk about him every week in my in our office. But I think he's an incredible leader uh, when he's talking about changing industries in the way that we look at customer service. Um, Danny Meyer, as many of you may know, is a leading chef. Um, he has a lot of really famous restaurants. Um, and he's revolutionized uh, the restaurant experience because he realized that they used to be in the food business. And then he realized that, you know what, the food itself, some of the best restaurants fail because really what, what matters is the overall experience. How you make people feel is much more powerful than actually the, the food on your plate. So, of course, the food on your plate is part of your experience. That needs to be great. But he talks about how restaurants that have a lot more resources than him um, oftentimes fail when he focuses on customer service, on customer experience, and how that's how he's found his restaurants to thrive. So he realizes we're not in the food industry or the restaurant industry. We're in the, we're in the people business. 
So I so that's the part that I I did not um, get started in my career as an educator. Um, I got started in, in another industry, and so when I came to education, I said to Sarah, uh, "Listen, like I know we're we have amazing teachers, and we're in this amazing teaching and learning industry." But we're also we're in this other thing too, which is the people business, and that parents paying thirty thousand, fifty thousand dollars a year uh, expect a certain type of experience and service that we need. It doesn't just happen. We need to intentionally deliver on that experience that they expect. And when they when they do expect that, then they will look at the product, the teaching and learning, even better in the same way that Coca Cola Classic, the perception of it, um, performs a lot better than actually the. Uh, you know, made it seem like it was performing better than actually than new code. So um, one of the things that Danny shared is, you know, he brought this incredible experience out of the business and marketing world. And when we started working together many years ago, he really helped me to think about how customer service in business language is really about internal school culture. And so when we um, we both arrived at Milken, uh, this is our fifth year. And we inherited a school that had many, many wonderful things about it, but the internal culture needed a lot of work. And that played out in all kinds of external metrics like admission and development numbers and parent perception of the school. But with Danny and his team, we decided to start fixing it from within. And so our solution is what we call the Milken way. And um, it's really our way of expressing internal school culture. So we wrote together this credo. It says, Milken Community School is a place where genuine relationships lead to meaningful learning. At Milken, we all pledge to do our part in building a warm community who views every colleague as a teammate, every student as our own child, and every parent as a partner in fulfilling our mission. Every member of our community is empowered to take the initiative to create a storied moment in each interaction. And this became the driving force behind the way that we shape culture at the school. And um, what, we, what we've really worked on is being able to help teachers, security, operations team members, admission team members understand that they all play a part in shaping the Milken way, which is really an extension of the Milken brand. So the motto is really about creating storied moments, one interaction at a time. And one of the things that we do in this is we actually collect them. When there are examples of teachers who are really demonstrating the Milken Way or students or parents, every six weeks, we send out a Milken Way newsletter calling out those moments. And it starts with things like just giving a warm, sincere greeting. That the idea is that everyone who comes on this campus, even though there are almost 800 students and you know double that number of parents, that we really want everyone to feel known, and that when we have interactions with people, that we're leading with empathy, and that we go above and beyond what they would expect. So, for instance, when we had back to school night, uh, we put a lot of time and effort not only into thinking about the teacher presentations and the educational experience, but how were parents going to experience our campus from the mo moment that they arrived until the moment they left. So including making sure that there were greeters at every possible entrance point. On their way out, giving them a round challah for the holidays that they were with a note from the, the Milken team. So really something that they wouldn't expect, but as a way of demonstrating the Milken way in action. And then afterwards following up with families that had concerns and with a survey with the entire parent community. 
Um, when we talked about uh, Milk and Way, we were very clear that we had to start with our employees, that we really started with the core, which is our inner circle, our faculty and staff and admin, and really making this group feel like we are the primary team, because if we didn't feel that way, nobody else would feel that way. And one of the ways that that played out is in how we devoted our resources. So instead of spending lots of money on external ads or on banners on the street, we really focused internally. We put all kinds of branding on our own campus. We spent our first dollars actually building out beautiful spaces for our faculty and staff to work. Uh, they had previously been in basically closets around the upper school campus. So before we did anything else, we made sure that our inner circle really felt cared about. And then of course it expands to the middle, middle circle, our current families, and then the outer circle, which are our prospective families. As Danny Meyer um, has said in many of his interviews that um, we are taught that, that customers come first, but actually what his point is that that's not true. And kind of what Sarah was just describing that employees come first because they are the ones that are delivering the experience for the for the customers for the families for the um for the students. So what's even more important than that is actually we as leadership need to demonstrate um and lead by example. Um and that and that's why we create this employee promise that we're not just asking employees to deliver this milk and way, this customer service. We're going to demonstrate by the way that we show up for them and the way that we are supporting them and the way that we are going to get out of our office and, and being there for each other and being each other's strongest cheerleaders. Um, we're going to demonstrate the way that we want that we want the entire community to um and a faculty community to treat our families. Um and we do that actually a few times a year in a very direct and intentional way where at the beginning of this of the year, our leadership team um, hosts this incredible lunch where we we intentionally plan out customer service things where we welcome people. We put um, uh, T-shirt giveaways on chairs. We get amazing food. We direct people. We create music. Um, but we create this amazing experience. And then we ask them, how did that make you feel versus the other lunches you got during um during uh, the first week of school. Um, and what we did was, and, and so this employee promise about, we are demonstrating leadership and, and, this, and we're gonna hold ourselves accountable and we're gonna lead by example in this milk and whey thing as leadership. So, so really the, um, again, this is all about the same thing that we, this doesn't just happen. This, we have to take intentional steps and we actually created an internal com committee uh, made up of faculty, staff, admin from all over campus. Uh, we created a committee of 10 to 20 uh, uh, members of our internal community to actually be responsible with, with implementing milk and whey and culture across campus for all of our faculty and staff. I've found that the, one of the best ways to implement this is to simplify it, um, to, to basically show all the different opportunities we have on campus for, um, for to really implement a story moment. Uh, for our community, but really simplify it to just remind everyone that proactive outreach is the most powerful um, trait of, of relationship building. So every time that you are proactively, it's an unexpected outreach to our um, to our community. That that stays. Studies tell us that that stays in people's minds uh, ninety percent of times, uh, much uh, longer than a reactive outreach. So when you proactively check in on somebody saying, hey, I know this week was tough, 
but I want to check in and see how you're doing. That is a, people are going to remember that more than reactive of waiting for them to call us saying, I didn't have a great week. And then you follow up. Um, finding people on a admissions tour, keeping in touch with um, and saying hi, or keeping in touch with alumni saying happy birthday. Those are the interactions that people will remember forever. Um, and then of course, why does the school care about this besides the fact that it's just the right thing to do? Well, it benefits us in terms of retention, um, word of mouth. Um, and then of course, with as as the happier and more and the better experience that our families are experiencing at school, uh, the more word of mouth in terms of prospective families that they'll bring into the school. It also helps with fundraising. So some of the, so we implemented the Milk and Way in 2021. And since then, retention has gone has gone to all-time highs. Um, applications is through the roof um, and all through primarily through word of mouth. Um, and then the positive feedback that we're tracking every day has increased dramatically. Um, meaning like, so we're tracking all of uh, the feedback that we get, but it was about 90% of the feedback we would get before was about, was negative. Now it's, now it's, it's flipped where majority of the feedback we get is positive. And it's been an incredible difference. And when then we, again, we shared that feedback, as Sarah was saying, with the rest of our community, with the faculty, so that they see that they, their amazing work in the Milk and Way is paying off. When you look at the enrollment chart over the past uh, five years, you can see that there was a real turning point and that the turning point coincided with a couple of different things. But one of the main ones was, was the launch of the Milk and Way. And I think, you know, when we think about our parent body and they're, they're part of sort of the, the next core, the middle core, we've spent a lot of time gathering feedback from our parents and we use the same survey over time so that we can longitudinally track results. Um, the other place where we really see this playing out is in our development. And when we inherited the school, there was this narrative that milk and families don't step up. They don't want to be engaged. They don't show up. They don't give. And what you see right now is that that really wasn't the case, that they were really looking for something meaningful to be a part of. And again, you see the trajectory changing over time. Um, these numbers are actually, it's actually higher than it's currently listed. I know that we're almost at 2.2 right now. So we've currently surpassed uh, last year's annual fund goal already. Um, and, and that speaks to, in many ways, how satisfied the parent community is with their milk and experience. Uh, this is a visual that we use to explain the work on culture and the Milk and Way overall. And what you see in this circle, it's um, an interpretation of um, Simon um, Senek, who does sort of the power of why. Our why is our mission. We spent a lot of time as a community rewriting our mission in 2019-2020. The how we make that mission happen is our core values. And then the what we do is our educational philosophy and the Milk and Way. So all of these pieces combined really make up our identity as a school. And what we've seen over time is that the more consistent we are in our messaging, the more we lean in to internal culture, the more that the assumption of the internal faculty, staff, and admin community and the current milk and parents is that what we're doing is at a high level of professionalism and they assume good intent and see things through a very positive lens. So the best part about all of this is it's the best investment you can make. Adopting a customer service experience, culture, uh, mindset, is it, it, 
the the minimal cost it will take. In fact, I I think there's many ways to do this where you don't need to spend any money. Um, we'll reap the long term ROI um, multiple times for the schools. So um, I think we'll end there. But I I'm happy to answer. Sarah and I are both happy to answer any questions about this. But again, it's definitely a leap of faith. And and I but I would argue that education. Um, needs to, especially Jewish education, has this opportunity to really move forward in this uh, experience, customer experience, customer service mindset. And again, faculty, there are ways to get faculty to buy into this over time, um, to understand that actually what they do every day in the classroom, which is really comes down to um, uh, relationship building, is something that you can do outside the classroom as well with our cultures. And that's, again, what this is all about. So for our next section, I am happy to welcome Josh Gold to engage uh, Sarah and Danny in conversation. As I mentioned, Josh is the head of school for K-8 at Hafter in Long Island. So Josh, um, it's your turn. Thank you so much, Elliot, and thank you, Sarah and Daniel, for a really, really great presentation uh, and one that I think so many schools uh, can really learn from um, and, you know, such an important component in uh, schools realizing their potential. Um, my first question, I'm wondering, creating a culture is, I think, so often predicated, uh, you know, on having a clear mission and vision that the staff and the team and the community is really galvanized around. My question first is, when you approached creating the Milk and Way, what was your order of operations in terms of the runway before this is ready for public consumption, before it goes public, that this is now a new initiative, a new program? What is the order of operations? Do you first think about parents? Do you first think about teachers? Are you thinking about students? How did you go about it in terms of building that consensus, that buy-in before you went public with the the the, the campaign? I think that's such a good question, Josh. And I would say, you know, when we inherited the school in 2019, um, one of the charges uh, from the board was just identity clarity. There had really been a sense of, you know, who is Milken, who is Milken in the marketplace. And I think uh, partly because we were a relatively new independent school at the time. So in 2019, the school had only been independent for eight years, that there was a sense of who are we trying to be? And one of the first steps, you know, as we were thinking about uh, internal culture that we did with the faculty and at the board level is we rewrote our mission statement. And we actually did that collaboratively. That's a, probably a whole other podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and then we generated the core values also collaboratively. And so we had those guiding documents as we were drafting the Milken Way. Um, I think one important piece to know about the rollout of the Milken Way is there was definitely skepticism around from our faculty in particular, but also our educational leadership and even members of our strategic team about like, you know, sort of the commercialization of education, like, okay, you know, customer service, like we don't use that word at schools. And, you know, it was really until we saw the results of the work both in terms of how faculty actually feels about being here, but also in terms of the retention, the enrollment, the development dollars that people are more willing to buy in and sort of put their skepticism aside. Did you find that that faculty felt that the concept of customer service was in some way conflicting with teachers' integrity 
and the school's integrity. Did you have to square that for anyone? Yeah, definitely that was true. I mean, it, it's it's a complicated picture because one of the things that was going on at the, you know, in 2019 at Milken and maybe at other schools is enrollment was dropping pretty dramatically. And, you know, at the also, no one really spoke to teachers about that directly. Like there was sort of this, you know, all of a sudden we have to cut the budget or all of a sudden numbers aren't where they need to be. But there was no direct conversation with teachers like this is what's going on. Let's look at the data. And even going back to our feeder schools. So when you look at the K-8s or the K-6s in Los Angeles, there has been a pretty precipitous drop if you go back 10 years. So to say like this is what we're facing and we're going to put the following strategies in place to turn that tide, but you need to understand that this is what's going on. So while we understand the bristling around customer service, like the strategy that we're using right now is not working. I think that the transparent, oh, sorry, go ahead, sorry. No, I, the, the other piece that I would say is one of the sort of internal cultural pieces that was operating at the time, which was really destructive, both in terms of faculty culture, but also in terms of student and parent experience was that every teacher, every department had like a different set of rules. I mean, grading rules, attendance rules, you know, it, it was operating right. as if there were 10 different silos within the school. So right. at the same time as we were doing this external work on the Milken Way, we did a ton of work on the academic program and alignment and consistency and thoughtful, intentional programming. Yeah. And I feel like I was that, that level of transparency about everyone owning the, not only the problem, but the opportunity together, I would imagine was helpful in getting buy-in. And that's sort of the segue to the to my next question, which is I find that some of the so oftentimes the stumbling block uh to a broad cultural shift is the perception of bottlenecking that I as a teacher or sort of a middle management person can't always make decisions because I don't know what the right decision would be in this situation. Everything has to go through the top. So how did you sort of uh, position teachers to feel that they could make decisions, that they could be proactive agents of change, for change, for this new culture, and have them feel a sense of ownership and partnership in not everything just goes to the administration. I have a part in changing the culture as well. Danny, do you want to start on that one? And then I'll... Yeah, sure. I Actually, I think that a lot of this is, is patience. Um, I think that First of all, I, I do want to say something that Sarah didn't mention, um, partly because she can't, but I can, is that Sarah, none of this would be possible without our incredible like head of schools leadership and and really saying that this is something we care about. Because that none of this is possible if, if it just goes to the external relations office, say, okay, you guys implement for all faculty. Um, and so saying, so having a head of school who is an educator by training, but to understand the the importance of culture building, customer service experience, um, and then and then also being able to help external relations with how to frame that message with with educators and how to work with educators to on training, I think is a primary um, uh, reason that this has been successful. Um, I would argue that that we didn't look at this as like this is going to happen overnight. Um, we looked at this as like let's come up with a three year plan. Um, let's the first year really focus on our leadership team and and getting and getting the full adoption there. Then the second year, let's implement a few little initiatives um, so that people can get uh, dabble into. Okay, this is a small way of of improving the experience of my families that in addition to all the other things you traditionally do. Um, and then, and then once you get a sense of that and see the impact of that, then let's expand it from there. Um, 
there and also I I would just say like the um this this really takes complete buy-in from um from all administration. Um, and so uh, there's a lot, there's a few members of, of uh, our team here from the external relations office who can also can talk a lot about that experience, uh, who like none of this would be possible without them because of this take for people to see that um, every part of the administration is showing up and, and the training that this takes and we do trainings three times a year with our faculty at, at orientation at, um, at a train at a, a professional development day and all those things and to keep it top of mind and again um you know that kind of frequency and thoughtful training and exercising and then embedding it in other trainings and working with educators on that that doesn't happen with one person so really you have to start with leadership the head of school has to say we're doing this this is the direction we're going which luckily i i'm biased but i think we have the best head of school uh, anyone can can ask for, um, and who who is able to influence a whole community of of um, faculty administrators to really buy into this. I, I yeah I agree that uh, that buy in is is super super important. Do you find that there are like the you know official structures and things to put in place, but so much of it is just the art of like figuring out how to reach people, the frequency with which you're talking about it, the ear that you're lending to people. How much did you find that like those, the, the, the massaging of, of everyone's, you know, the emotions, how people feel about it, dealing with that was an important part of uh, getting people there. It, it was a lot of it. And I think what Danny said about patience and sort of like playing the long game in it is really important. You know, when, when we started this and just as a very concrete example, one of the things that we did um, is when we do presentations, it's really important to represent our brand. Like we sort of talk about our brand and the Milk and Way is interchangeable because the Milk and Way is really what we want people to associate with a brand. So we said to teachers, anytime you're presenting to a group, whether that's a group of faculty members or a group of parents, we have branded slides and you need to use our branded slides. So those of you who work with educators can imagine how happy the faculty was about that because there's just something about sort of like, well, I'm a teacher, I have that creative determination. Right. And you know, you have to be willing to live through that discomfort to say, you know, you can do that in your classroom. Of course, you create your own slides and do whatever you want. But when you are representing Milken in the even the internal public world, you're doing it with our brand associated. And right. I mean, there are still faculty members who who feel like a little squir squirmy about that. Right. So you have to be willing to say you believe in it enough. And I think, you know, one of the things in terms of any leadership, but certainly I've been really fortunate you just have to hire people that know more than you do. And I I mean, I have on this call, at least as far as I can see, I mean, Danny obviously is the leader of the external relations team, Tal, Alexandra, Alana, there may be others who aren't in my screen, but we have an unbelievable team. And when you trust people who have expertise that you don't, you just know, like, I'm an educator. I don't really know about branding and marketing and development, but I have people who do. And getting, if I model that, then eventually you can get the faculty there. But there's all kinds of moments that I think have made people, you know, feel uncomfortable or like, what is this? Is the school a business? But the truth right. is, the school is a business. I mean, and, right. and I know we don't want to talk about it that way, but it right. is. And right. you know, one of the one of the advantages is being able to show our faculty how the school being a business actually benefits them. Right. Um, right. Not I'm only just gonna... in terms of their salaries, which of course it does, but really in terms of the resources that we're able to provide, professional development, resources in the classroom, that a beautiful space for them to work, all of, you know, when 
we feel shorthanded that we're able to bring on another teacher for a half year. Like all of those concrete ways we've been able to directly tie to the success of things like annual giving and retention and recruitment. But also isn't part of it the idea that uh, when I work in a place that has the vibe of a startup company, it's exciting. There's optimism in the air. There's innovation in the air. This, there's exciting possibilities every single day about where our school is headed in the short term and the long term. And with that in mind, once you have a successfully established this culture, the Milken Way, are there ways that you that you have in place mechanisms to keep it fresh, to celebrate? That's an example that we're talking about. Like like Nordstrom is very famous for like they go above and beyond for customer service. And when they hear a service or hear the idea, an example of the Nordstrom employee who went outside to change the tire of the of the guy who had got a flat so that he could keep shopping, like they put that on all the emails. They let everybody know this is exactly what we're talking about. Do you guys have mechanisms in place to say that's what we're talking about? That's praiseworthy. That's an example of the Milken Way. Uh, Josh, first of all, uh, you just uh, became one of my favorite people because we actually read on our team the North. It took Way. this long. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, um, the Northern Way um, is actually really what this is all kind of um, uh, designed around. Um, where you know they empower every single individual to um, make an experience for a customer. And again, if we can, if every faculty can feel that kind of um, empowerment to really um, benefit a community member, doesn't matter who it is. Um, and every moment is they're thinking through that lens. I think that the entire school would be much better off. Um, and so, and so, really, what you're asking is is really the question that we're that we're right now wrestling with, which is, okay, we spent the last three years uh, with a step-by-step -step approach to how we're going to grow this into our community. And so our team now has spent actually a considerable amount of time with how are you now going to take it from good to great? Um, and um, so some of the things that we've implemented, and again, we're going to be able to report back on the ROI of this. Um, we actually made a um, milk and whey someone's primary responsibility. Uh, meaning that like every day, every meeting, um, they are thinking through decisions through a milk and whey lens. Um, they are leading now the um, committee. We have a, you know, the, the leader is, is is the committee on the internal milk and whey. They're the ones that are planning out the the um, the the committees, the implementing the um, work of the committee. Um, there's now a budget behind the uh, milk and whey effort. And on, in addition, we're now tracking through more data than ever before how Milk and Way is being implemented. So we're so that person is also calling every family proactively twice a year, um, and then measuring the feedback that we're getting. And and um, and again, we're going to report that back out to all faculty members. So um, we're starting to now implement these more advanced ways of implementing the Milk and Way. That but all of that sounds like pretty extravagant and um and lofty um i would say that like we we didn't start that way um and it was only when we started to really see the benefit and the roi of the milk and way that we reinvested more into it because why wouldn't you if, you, if you're going to retain 10 more families by doing the milk and way why wouldn't you invest you know more money into it um and so it just makes a lot of sense so again baby steps is really an important piece here. But again, the more confidence you get into culture building and customer service, the more that it's likely that you, you'll you learn a lot along the way, implement it in better ways in the future, but also be able to start investing in certain areas that uh, you weren't, you never thought were possible three years ago. 
Were there any books or articles that you found personally helpful in guiding this or helpful in sharing with the staff for shared learning or just leveraging to get buy-in? Good question. Uh, again, uh, Nordstrom Ways was was one of the books that we read. Um, and then um, we, we actually this summer, our external relations team and then also our academic leadership team read um, this book, um, Unreasonable Hospitality, um, which I would recommend to anyone, which really transformed the way that we really think about the way that we do customer service, um, at least in the external relations office, the admissions office, development office. Um, and um, and then uh, we watched this video by Danny Myers. I'm happy to share with anyone. And we do that every year in our external relations office that really he just talks about, again, his whole like idea that like, I'm not in the food business. I'm in the people business. Um, and every every organization, every industry needs to realize that people makes it happen. That you are your your job is to make people feel good about about what they're buying. And again, it's hard in education to think that way. But the more that we make people feel that they're making the right decision for their children with um, their for their education, the better off we're all going to be. And that doesn't just happen from what happens in the classroom. Right. In terms of the return on investment, did you find that there were like points that if you went too long without a clear public win, that you would lose momentum and do irreparable damage to the campaign? Did you find that if you don't go, if you go six weeks, uh, three, you know, two months, whatever, whatever it is that you need to have built in when you roll this out? public wins for teachers and staff and leaders to lay leaders to feel like this is a winning move a winning initiative and right. if so how did you do that or did you learn anything from that that you'd recommend to other schools looking to do something like this that was one of the things we learned in the first year was that we need to keep this top of mind in frequency in order to, for it to really start to take a hold and we wanted the milk and whey to become a verb with that we use like we wanted to describe the just say the milk and whey and people know what that means we want to brand the milk and whey so that had to and so um thanks to our incredible communications office um we were able to create a monthly a newsletter, Milk and Way newsletter that we send out to all faculty members that gives examples of, of recognizing certain moments that faculty members went out of their way to advance an experience of, uh, of what, whether that's supporting each other faculty to faculty member or um, one of our students or going above and beyond with even our alumni or parents. So um, I would say that to keep it top of mind, uh, we do the frequency in newsletters is monthly. Um, the um, then we do three trainings a year and then we go uh, above and beyond in different um, ways throughout trying to embed it in different meetings and different trainings to make it part of um, our everyday life. Culture isn't all positive. In other words, like there are hits to culture and, cer and certainly in schools there are it sort of feels like, like there are always crises, like whether that's a student discipline issue or a PR issue. But I think what the Milken Way has done, and sort of we've seen this more and more over the years, is it allows us to withstand those obstacles better. Not that there aren't temporary setbacks in sort of how people are experiencing the school, but the bounce back is faster and the and the trust is more built up. Like the the instinct, the, the right. more we live through this is to assume that the school is acting with good intention, with professionalism, even when there are major issues. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, we're a school of almost 800 kids. I mean, it feels like there's a major issue every week. 
Uh, every week, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, we we're a similar size school, and uh, it's a, it's a small city, and cities are not not yeah. conflict free zones. Our goal is to build up. We say water carriers, right? There's fires every day. We need water carriers, and we need uh, to build up and empower folks to be able to navigate conflict. Hundred um, percent. Last question is: How did you choose your original? You mentioned you had like a leadership team. Did they go on these visits with you? Did they go to develop um, the motto, the framework, the four steps? Who was who was the team who did that? Was it a cross section of lay leadership and teachers and administrators? And has the team evolved over time? Has it changed? Is there a best practice with regard to like keeping a finger on the pulse? Who's on the team making the decisions about the Milk and Way originally, and then as it continues to live? I mean, it was really, I mean, I'll answer the big question. It was Danny and his team. Like we just sort of refined it in the end or uh -huh. he brought it to us in the end, but it was really, they really did the work of drafting those, that document. Honestly, honestly, I mean, I appreciate that, but I don't think that's entirely hundred percent accurate. Like I would say that Sarah and the academic team were integral because like, Again, external relations uh, really need the partnership of the academic leadership to make this happen. And so, um, and so, when we originally came up with the concept, it was actually we sat into Sarah sat with myself um, and Tall in a room, and we developed this whole concept. Um, and then we brought it to our strategic leadership team, and under Sarah's like guidance leadership, we talked about okay, give us feedback, give us thoughts. Um, um, you know, there's a lot of concern in the room at the moment. Um, and then, um, but you know, when then we use feedback in that room to say, okay, you've been part of this process. Um, we implemented your feedback and then we did it with a small group of faculty members. And again, that whole kind of, um, strategy and implementation and design was really because the education team knew the best way to ha have this implemented with all faculty members. So yes, we were able to develop the concept of it in the external relations office, but, the really the implementation of that's that would just be still be an external relations office. So we didn't have the partnership of the academic leadership team and also the leadership of Sarah to say, this is so important to us. We need you to take a leap of faith with us. And this is not going to be so pretty at first, but over time, we're really going to see reap the benefits of this. And that's really um, how it kind of uh, happened in year one. Um, I also just want to add it. I just want to add that um, Alana Vorspan just put into the chat one of our newsletters that we send out on the Milk and Way. Uh, so again, and happy to share anything else that anyone needs. Um, if you need any examples. I had one more question actually based on that. So once you had your internal culture in the place that you wanted it to be, you felt like people were really buying in. You said that the next step was to reach out beyond your uh, your your folks who are already in the Milken community. Were there any identity points, um, external campaigns? What mechanisms did you use to let folks know in the broader community about what the Milken Way is, about what the community is, about what your school is, beyond simply word of mouth? Were there things that you did publicly? Actually, um, that's something that Hall has been um, discussing and uh, we've been working with in our office right now, playing with the idea of like, how do we take this Milk and Way concept, which has been primarily internal and make it external, like the way that parent and parent interaction um, and the way that that um, alumni interact and, and how do we um, how do we make this more than just an internal concept? Um, and so that's something like, stay tuned, we're working on that, but we primarily for the first three years really want to make sure that this was, we did this well internally, we branded it well internally, that we made the milk and way a term that people, when we said they knew how to feel, they knew what to do, they knew what that meant. 
Um, and that was that's been our primarily our 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 main focus. So I think we're about ready to launch more externally with the Milk and Way. And so stay tuned on that. But it's a great question. Yeah, and I also think uh, one really good step is coming on Prisma Podcast Live and letting folks know. I think this was a really, really uh, helpful presentation. I think that schools around the country, uh, and for that matter, the world, are going to uh, uh, mine this presentation for things that can help their own school community. Um, and really thank you again for all the work that you're doing and for allowing us to hear some of, about it. Uh, so Sarah and Daniel, thank you. And Elliot, thank you again for all you do in Prisma. Thank you, Josh. You are really a, a whiz at asking deep and profound and interesting questions. So I'm always grateful to have you as a partner. And now is the time for uh, audience questions. So feel free to drop me a question in the chat and I'll be happy to ask. Um, I want to start by um, picking up on something uh, Josh asked about. He asked about some of the research you did and you talked about some of the books you read. I'm wondering also uh, what kind of research you did into other schools. Uh, you talked about visiting pa uh, Poznak. I'm wondering, uh, you know, what you learned there, what other schools you went you went to, and what you discovered when, when you were trying to figure out whether this idea of customer service or the, the Nordstrom way or whatever would be applicable to, uh, to a school. I mean, I think in terms of the schools, I think one of the things, you know, again, when we started at Milken is, there were some pretty significant challenges. And one of the best ways to learn, the best, I think the best PD you can do as a school leader, a teacher, an educator is to visit another school. Because things that you take for granted in your own environment, you see playing out totally differently in other places. And um, certainly my visit to Ponzac was extremely powerful. Richard Cuenca, who's the head there, is a master. And um, he really, like, talk about school culture. I mean, that place is unreal. Like, they... You know, people walk around and you, you'll stop them and talk with them. And they say, yeah, it's just the Poznak way. I mean, they're literally like living the book the Nordstrom way. So I, I learned a lot from being there um, and took a lot back. But we visited schools all over the country, not only me, but other educators in the school. We also visited schools in Australia. We went to um, uh, both in Melbourne and in Sydney and sort of saw out of the United States how culture is created. So all of those visits and learnings, we compiled our notes and we debriefed as a team over several meetings to think about how we could do this the best. And then Danny and his team brought in knowledge and resources from other disciplines that really informed how we get to a place of the culture that we wanna see happening in the schools. There are there are so many examples and so many other industries about um, adopting a customer culture centric mindset that transformed an industry. Um, and I love I love to look at restaurants, as I've mentioned, because, again, that was pretty relatively recent that in the early 80s, it was just about what food you get. Um, but now we look at restaurants completely different. Um, of course, food is important, but the the way that restaurants care about ambiance and care about the way that you're greeted, the follow up now that you get about like be part of our fan club or whatever. So, um, but we've also looked at Disney and the way that you know, um, in the when um, Disneyland was created in the '50s, like like an amusement park was actually not a very attractive brand. Um, and there's a famous story about how Walt Disney went to. Um, Burbank in LA and wanted to put Disneyland there. And Burbank said, we don't want that kind of culture around here. Um, and so he had to go down to Anaheim and, but then really adopted this like imagination, this, this experience mindset of as part of an amusement park and redefine the way that we think about amusement parks. Um, 
doesn't mean that it's any different uh, in terms of rides and prizes and food, but it's the overall experience that changed. And again, it's education. We have the best educators in Jewish education. Like they, the the best, I mean, every time I go into a class, I say this all the time to Sarah, I don't know how the faculty do what they do. They're so skilled at what they do. And they bring it every day. I mean, it's incredible what they do. And so how can, it's almost a benefit to them that if I can find a way to improve the overall, the, the, the culture, the way that people see, the lens in which they see the product and experience the product, um, then I think that's only a benefit to what they do every day. Um, not to mention, obviously, it helps us retain them and um, increase and and bring in raises and put students in the desks. So um, I think that, again, like we look at other industries a ton in external relations office, and then we learn concepts and we bring that into the Milken way. I definitely want to get to uh, teachers in a moment. Um, but before we get there, I, I want to stick with this comparison, this discussion of school as a business. Because I know, you know, I've been in this in the day school field now for for some time, and there's always um, a hesitation or uh, it, people bristle at the idea of school of a school as a business, right? It's not a business like other businesses, right? Um, and I think your your premise is 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 different. So I'm wondering, um, have you hit any limits or? found some places, okay, we're not going to go there. The school as business model works in this way, but not in that way. Or or no, do you think that um, schools really would benefit by being more open to comparing themselves to other kinds of businesses? I mean, I would say that there is like really productive tension between our academic team and our external relations team. And it, it's not that there it's without conflict or, you know, even the question of who are the primary constituents. I think, you know, our ER team probably feels it's our parents and our educators definitely feel it's our kids. So like that, that tension is a rub. But I think if you can harness that and make it productive, it makes both better. And I guess the piece on this call that we haven't really talked about is like none of this matters if the education isn't right. superior. So it, like all of this is very nice, but if if you aren't really clear about what your standards are in the classroom, the best milk and way, the best internal culture, the best marketing in the world won't change those admission and retention numbers. So there was a whole, there's a whole sort of other presentation to be done on what it took to get like good to great in terms of academics or uneven to great, I would say. So that that piece that piece alongside of the Milken Way is, is what has really catapulted the school. Um, but I will say the Milken Way has helped us be clear on like what we do and don't want in faculty. If faculty, and this, this is sort of, there's like an educational component to this. You are a teacher that doesn't feel relationships are paramount, that relationships matter, but we are really not the school for you. Um, no matter how well you know, you know, advanced molecular biology or whatever it is. Like, and, and I'm not, I'm, Good. It's a great transition to to the teachers, right? And um, let's let's go there and talk about more how you've seen the this campaign, the, the Milken Way, uh, impact those relationships, impact what goes on in in Milken classrooms. I mean, I think there has been so much change over the past five years that what we saw initially was both a reaction to the milk and way as sort of a new initiative, but also change overall. And, you know, with any change, things get worse before they get better. Um, 
we're fortunately like at the better part. So we've lived through the place of sort of difficulty and getting faculty to where we want them to be. And now we have a lot to be proud of with faculty culture and performance overall. Um, but what I see more and more is like, for, like this is a concrete example. We used to sort of mandate that our teachers sent a certain number of positive, we call them teacher notes or official notes in a quarter. Like we said, you know, for every constructive one you send or negative one you send, send a positive. And we kept all kinds of data on that. I mean, we don't even need to do that anymore because teachers are just on their own writing about colleagues, students, like it's so part of the culture of the school. So that's a really concrete example of what ways that it's shifted. And I think, you know, of course, everybody likes to be acknowledged for things that they're doing well. So that feels good for everybody. But it's such a uh, virtuous cycle because then the parents write the teachers back lovely notes. The kids write the teachers back lovely notes. Like there's so much good in that in that um, sort of cyclical feedback realm. And, and I guess the other piece is sort of like with setbacks in culture, then when you have to deliver difficult news or kids don't do well, there's a there's a buy-in to the fact that the teachers are the advocates of the kids. They want the kids to do well. It sounds like, I'm sure it wasn't easy, you know, to bring the teachers on board uh, for many reasons. And I'm wondering if uh, teachers now feel that they, alongside the appreciation for all the benefits, if they feel like they have more work to do in it, there's some uh, a little pushback in that department. I mean, I think in some ways they do. Like, you know, we're definitely, we use our teacher. I mean, our teachers are the heart of the school. So in open houses, in tours, in, you know, panels, uh, we have all kinds of events. In development events, at the state of the school, we are relying on our teachers and leaders probably more than they were relied on in the past. So I think, yes. And in other ways, things that once were their responsibility, they've been able to hand off to others. So it's probably a combination of the two. Um, I would say, I mean, I think, you know, we have, you know, it's not totally the same faculty as it was five years ago either. So some some of our new teachers, like this is what the only thing they've ever known. Okay, we, we just got a, a really great question. Um, over the past few years, uh, the events in the world have created um, real management challenges, right, between COVID and now the war in Israel. And... Um, how has the has the Milken Way uh, eased the the issues of management with uh, with families during these stressful periods? I mean, it's a very complicated time to lead and to be in schools. And, and you know, I, I don't know what the landscapes of all the schools of the people on the call are, but certainly at Milken, um, you know, it's diverse in every way, politically religiously, culturally, and, you know, where there is pluralism, it can be really beautiful and wonderful, and it can also be really challenging. And so leading through COVID was really challenging, as I think it was for most people, you know, less challenging in a way since October 7th, because there has been something really unifying for the entire Los Angeles milking community about coming together in support of Israel. But I know that that's not true in every context. Um, I mean, I think the Milken Way has helped in everything, but it doesn't mean that there aren't really challenging external contexts that we have to weather. I remember going through co the whole two years of COVID and um, 
we referred back to like what we just wrote the year before with the Milk and Way, the four steps pretty frequently, even in the way that we wrote our emails out to the community, um, which were, and, but we, we reminded each other all the time. So it really helped us get through this. And we had like, we had four steps about give a warm, sincere greeting. Like that's the first thing. So a lot of parents were really also struggling in their own lives in, um, during COVID. And so when they would call with a lot of complaints, we made sure that even though we know we were about to hear some tough, have a tough conversation, we made sure that we welcomed them with a warm greeting. We had, we addressed them by their name, by their child's name. Um, we, then the second step is lead with empathy, realizing like they have a lot of stuff going on in their own lives, just like we had. And like, we needed to make sure that we were, before we even pick up that phone call, that we were making sure that we were leading with empathy, that we were going to assume positive intent as part of that um, that conversation, and then go above and beyond and then follow up meaningfully. And if we just follow that through COVID as a recipe, um, and we felt that the the relationships that we had was it, again, it was rocky, but just like everyone felt it, but we survived. We felt in a much better way. And um, I mean, in some ways we came out in a much better, we, I mean, uh, the, the word of mouth accelerated, uh, the positive word of mouth accelerated through COVID for us. And um, the amount of applications, the amount of increase, the retention rate, it, it accelerated. Um, and uh, obviously that was a lot to do with Sarah's leadership, the faculty and the amazing work that they were doing through COVID. But it's also, I really feel is the way that we made people feel at a really difficult time in their life. Um, and we, again, use this recipe, these four steps as like a guiding force through all of our emails uh, and all of our communication outreach um, to all of our families. I think I'll, I'll close with asking um, a couple questions about uh, moving forward. So one question that came in was, how do you relate the Milken Way to the school's strategic plan? And uh, the other question I have is, um, how what changes do you think you are you considering uh, for the Milken Way in the next uh, year or so? Well, I, I would say um, you know the Milken Way sets the conditions for everything else to be successful. So you can't control enrollment numbers. I mean, you, you can you can't control you, you can only control that you're doing everything possible to create the conditions such that people will want to come to you or development dollars. And I would say um, you know we're about to go into I know the number keeps changing, but 125 million dollar campaign, and there is no way that we would be able to do that without sort of the buildup of the past five years and the momentum that has been created. So I don't know <laughs> specifically what's going to change for the Milken Way, but as I'm sure many of you read, you know, Milken just purchased um, the American Jewish University 22-acre campus. So we're going to be really thinking through the strategic vision for the school in the next 10 years. And I think that the work that has been done on internal culture set the stage for that to be successful. That's to answer the question about what we're going to do now and the next steps, it's really, again, a, that it's sometimes easy to get it or easier to get it from like non-existent to good. The hard, I, it's really hard to get it from good to great. And so we're really focused in our office about taking steps that it may include taking a more external approach to um, to Milk and Whey, um, branding it further, investing in it further, building the culture further of faculty, staff. Um, uh, and, but I would say that like really the foundation doesn't change. 
um, that the way that we treat each other, the storied moments, that should never change. And again, our job is just make sure the momentum continues um, in the Milken way. Um, and so we're going to continue to stay on top of that. Um, we're data, we're very data driven. Um, so we want to make, we're, we're finding new ways of measuring the impact of, um, of, um, the Milken way. And then we're going to use that data to inform ourselves of future decisions. Thank you both. Thank you both for, uh, really a wonderful presentation, very informative and extremely inspiring. So before we leave, I want to say that the next podcast live episode is scheduled for March 26th, featuring Gil Pearl, who's the founder of a new school called Jewish Leadership Academy in Miami. And he's going to discuss the creation of this new school with a very specific mission and mandate. Thank you all for joining us and have a great day.